Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 4, Episode 21. Primeval. This is so exciting. I know. I can't believe we've gotten here. Feels like yesterday we started at the freshman. <laughs> I mean, it feels like we were just finishing season one with Prophecy Girl, right? And now Buffy is very good at raising the stakes with each of its season finales. I'll have some comments about that later in the episode. But, you know, Prophecy Girl is Buffy going off alone to face the master, basically. And I think what's so different about this episode is she's not doing it alone. And each season finale has kind of changed and deepened the ways in which Buffy receives support from her friends, which, of course, is why in the last episode, Spike worked so hard to break them up. So it's interesting how this episode picks up those pieces and then guides us to this eventual resolution. Yeah, and at the end of a long season of the Scoobies slowly but surely going separate ways and discovering their identities separately and with other people that's not each other as a core group, it is really nice and satisfying at the end of this episode to see them come together. Uh, I have comments on that later as well. There's some things about it, this finale. I mean, it's not really the finale. There's one more episode left, of course. But uh, the big climactic ending of the season is this episode. And there's some things I'm unsatisfied with. Ooh, okay. Ooh, so we'll talk about it. Uh, But let's get into it. We're picking up right where we left off in the Yoko Factor. Always my fave. Love when it just continues on. Uh, We're at the high school. Buffy's looking for Riley. So our worst fears were confirmed here where when she was like, I'm going to go find someone I can rely on. And we're like, please don't be Riley. (laughs) Sure enough, (laughs) she's gone to find him, but he's not there. Where could he be? He's with Adam, who is in the cave. And and, uh, Adam is saying, your thoughts are in turmoil. And I understand. And Riley's just standing there. And Adam says, speak. And Riley says, what have you done to me? And Adam says, nothing. It was mother. (laughs) Uh, Professor Walsh she implanted the behavior modifier and Raleigh says a chip in my head she really did it and Adam says actually the chip is here and he points like around his heart area and he's like tied directly into your central nervous system through the thoracic nerve Uh, this is phase one of your preparation it lay dormant until the time came I simply activated it brother okay questions Kara questions questions when, when did Mother, a.k.a. Maggie Walsh, implant this chip in Riley's uh, heart, uh, Riley's spine? I assume that she snuck into his room one night after he'd finished a marathon sex session with Buffy. <laughs> just just that one time when they both fell asleep. Well, she's watching, right? So she yeah. knows when they're done. Because she she hears Riley make that noise and that sees, sees Riley's face and she's like, okay, they're done. 
Um, so then she knows when they've fallen asleep and she sneaks in, she tiptoes in. Just a little minor surgery in the middle of the night, you know, no big deal. No marks left, no scarring, and no recovery from such a deep impact surgery. <laughs> so that was my first question. I was like, that's nonsense. It would it would have made more sense that it was in his head because Riley can't see the back of his head. Okay, but that's neither here nor there, I suppose. Um, my other question was, Adam activated the chip, like, t- today? Like, after he killed Forrest? Like, when did he activate yes. this chip? Uh, yeah, just yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> and then Riley came like a good dog to the cave. <laughs> yeah, so this scene is really disappointing to me. Because we at the end of the last episode, Riley shows up at Adam's man cave demon cave i don't know demonoid Love cave. cave adam's cave is very bougie it's got mm-hmm. like an internet hookup you know he's got a computer and everything there's a couch um, a sex chair <laughs> i know he took he took it over from those vampires but it's just like he's really tricked it out with technology mm-hmm. so anyway riley showed up at the end of the last episode he's like no i'm here right and i feel like there's almost we were meant there was this red herring we were meant to kind of think that he's betraying Buffy, which I would have been on board with because that would be interesting. And it feels like a betrayal. I feel like Riley has let me down by not betraying Buffy in this and he can't control himself. I know we're supposed to feel sorry for him, but I'm just kind of like, OK, you're back to being boring and disappointing me, Riley. It's fine. I like how you've invented this whole evil villain backstory for Riley in the hopes that he'll be more interesting than what actually happened where I guess I guess Adam just flicked a switch and he's like I better go to the cave and he just like walks over there and says here I am so I don't blame you for being disappointed because I also would have liked that storyline yeah this is weird so Riley's like stop calling me brother I'm not your brother you're a botched science experiment I'm a human being who's going to do everything in his power to and Adam says sit and Riley does because he's he is we've all this time we've called him a puppy dog good dog it's now a, a fact like he is Adam's dog and Adam says you have no power not yet once you forget your old life and embrace your destiny as I have you'll know a power you never dreamed of I think you're going to like it cut to credits and then right after the credits I'm like oh we're going somewhere more interesting we're not we're <laughs> still talking yeah but at him. least Spike comes in right so there is that there well there's that so Adam is saying that demons cling to old ways and ancient feuds they're hopeless with technology useless disappointed by demon kind we turn to humans smart adaptive but emotional and weak blind there's imperfection everywhere something must be done who will deliver us mother she saw our future yours and mine she saw that you were necessary she saw the role you would play by my side stand up riley does and he says you see we are brothers after all and then spike is there like he's in the background and he says Warms the cockles of my non-beating heart seeing you lads together. And Adam's like, Spike, I didn't send for you. And Spike's like, yeah, well, I'm not really the being sent for type of guy. I'm much more, I did my part, now get this chip out of my head kind of guy. And Spike comes over to them. And this is actually the first time I've noticed, Kara. Like, do you, did you notice, like, how short Spike is? Like, comparatively. Well, also, the actor who plays Adam is tall. Well, and so is Mark Lucas. I had to look it up, honestly. It was and, so shocking. And they're bulky guys, right? Like, yes. James Marsters is life, so. Yes, no, he, and that makes what makes him like a good villain look. But I just noticed, I was like, okay, so Mark Lucas, I looked it up, he's six foot two. Uh, James Marsters is five foot nine. 
So like it is quite a height difference there. And um, yeah, like I just I just that's the first time I never noticed. I was like, oh, you know, Spike's actually, you know, he's not like a tall man. He's 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 tall, but he's not like a tall, tall man. Spike looks at Riley and he's like slightly stiffer than usual. And he's like snapping his fingers in front of his eyes and like poking him. <laughs> and he's like, I like it. What's what's with him? Adam says, I activated this chip. And Spike says, it's chips all around, is it? Well, someone must have bought the party pack. <laughs> I do appreciate that Spike is willing to be flippant with everybody, including his new boss. Well, and his, and his lover. <laughs> right. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, this this scene is notable, right? Because we we get, is it their first fight? It, I think it just might be. They're, they're Aww, hitting. I know. So lovely. As long as they can work on their communication, they'll get through it, I'm sure. I think also Spike's like sizing up Riley because he's like, did Adam invite him here to <laughs> replace me? <laughs> um and adam says um that you'll get your chip removed when the slayer is where i want her and spike says she's separated by her friends they they want nothing to do with her she's all alone and adam says that's how i want her where where i want her is down in the initiative she will ensure that as many demons will die as humans she will achieve maximum carnage before she's too weak to go on and riley's like no you can't and adam says stop talking (laughs) so spike says Getting her there, that's what the discs are for, isn't it? Like, the witch gate gives her the info, and poof, Alice heads back down the rabbit hole. And Adam says, the friend? You mean the one of the friends from whom you so efficiently separated her from? And Spike realizes that, and he's like, oh, um, I I think I might have detected a small flaw. And Adam says, so you failed. And Spike says, let's not quibble over who failed who. The important thing is making sure the Slayer is where we want her. And Adam tells him to go, and Spike says, uh, we'll do the, ship, the chip thing when I get back, and Adam doesn't say anything, so he just goes. Relationships are just so, you know, difficult sometimes when you have, when your lover is just really focused on getting what he wants, mm. he can be a little selfish. Mm-hmm, daddy yeah. Adam, Daddy Spike fighting, not seeing eye to eye. Yeah, Spike needs to understand that relationships are give and take. So if he's not going to get the Slayer where they want her, why would Adam give it to him? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> give him he, what he wants. He needs to support Adam achieving Adam's apotheosis the same way that Harmony supported Spike when he was looking for the Gem of Amara. Exactly. So Spike, you've got a lot of lessons in relationships. I mean, <laughs> we believe that you will eventually get there, though. Uh, Willow and Tara are at Giles's door and they knock which is shocking, <laughs> shocking behavior. Somebody's finally learned. <laughs> well, they're, I think they're fighting, so they're like, I guess politeness all of a sudden matters. Um, <laughs> Giles is incredibly hungover. <laughs> and Willow is feeling really awkward because of the fight last night, obviously. Well, so Giles, like, pull. he's wearing, you know, a robe, and he, like, pulls the robe closed over his chest. Not that anything was visible, and I'm just like, that's right, Giles. You hide your shame. Like, you hide your chest. I, I thought that was cute, right? Because normally... It, it's women who are hiding, you know, pulling our robes tighter, lest we be possibly immodest. And now it's like, yeah, that's right. Don't show us your chest, Giles. <laughs> or do. <laughs> um, but I also think it's funny because obviously, like, Willow and Giles are awkward around each other. But Giles wasn't really part of the fight last night. It was mostly between the younger three of the group. Uh, Giles just got wasted and settled a bunch of nonsense and then went upstairs. So I think, for, well, Giles is hungover, number one. So that's a horrible feeling. It sucks being hungover. Uh, so that's one. And then two, I think he's just like, 
feeling awkward because he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I behave this way in front of them. And I never have before. So Willow says she forgot her laptop at the discs. And there it is, Kara. It was her laptop. Because I think in the last couple episodes, we've been pondering whose Mac yes. computer is that? Why does Willow have one there and also one at the school? She's got right. two. <laughs> so, yeah. So I noted this down as well. I think it might be just a continuity error on the part of the, the set team uh, or the props department, right? In terms of where the laptop was located. Mm-hmm. But I, yes, I'm glad we finally solved the mystery of whose laptop it was. because <laughs> I like to think... I like to think that Willow has one for schoolwork and one for the like breaking into the government files and encrypting. I mean, that would be good opsec to have, you know, a specialized laptop that you use for your nefarious activities versus your school one. Yeah. I'm not sure Willow is that far along in her insurrectionist training, but we'll see. Who can say? Uh, we, we do know her parents are loaded, so I'm sure she could have two computers. Yeah, we haven't heard from Sheila in a long time, eh? Yeah, seriously, where is Sheila? What's what's her deal? I thought she worked at the, school, at the university. Giles says, will you be working here, like typing and talking? <laughs> because that will be fine. Uh, obviously, it will not be fine. When you are when you have a hangover as bad as Giles, you just need a dark room and no noise. She just wants some breakfast, some bedroom some breakfast. Bedroom. Actually, he was probably right in the middle of cooking it when they arrived. That's why he's like, are you going to stay? <laughs> The bacon's almost done. Also, Tara is so cute in this scene. She's like, I hope you feel better, Mr. Giles. I just... Uh, I know she's so sweet and like her, like she her and Giles smile like nicely at each other you know uh Willow's like no we're not staying she um, she just packs up her computer and um Willow's like okay so see ya and Giles is like yeah uh well good luck with all that <laughs> and Willow's like okay and they leave and it's just awkward and sad because these friend this friend group is on the rocks uh Buffy is melancholy in her dorm room she's looking at that Sears catalog picture <laughs> of her will and xander from season one um that she looks at when she's the most sad <laughs> and she goes to pick up the phone but there's no one who's she gonna call Kara? riley's missing and it's, she's it's fighting hush all over again <laughs> exactly she should call mark the message board guy <laughs> right i mean he's probably on call but that's who she probably tried to call him um she she packs up a cute little tote bag full of weapons and and her axe notably does not bring the crossbow is she learning? We'll find out. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, we cut to an exterior shot of Xander's house. Have we ever seen the outside of Xander's house? We have not. They clearly have more of a budget in this episode. <laughs> Seriously, I was like, we've never seen the outside of Xander's house. Um, or or maybe we did in um, the, A New Man when Giles ran out. But I don't know if that was Xander's house or not. Uh, but anyway, I'm like, oh, there it is, a little greenhouse. Xander's lying in bed naked. And Anya comes in and she's like... I thought you wanted to check the board at the unemployment office this morning. And two things here. Um, Anya looks a lot younger in this episode, in this scene, than I've ever seen her this season. And it really goes to show that hairstyle is everything. Hair is everything, as Fleabag said. Because really, like, she she looks more her age here. Because she's flat ironed her hair. It just looks more youthful. The other thing is it really sucks that back in the day you had to, like, get up and go to an unemployment office. To get all that information, because a lot of the times now, I'm sure they still exist, but a lot of the times now you can look these things up online and apply that way. Well, and there's all these other opportunities through like the gig economy, right? I'm sure Xander would be 
delivering things through a delivery service or yeah, Uber, you know, working away on an Amazon warehouse floor somewhere. Mm-hmm. Ah, capitalism. Ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> So Xander says he's not going. There's never anything good. Maybe I should join the army. Sorry, I just realized Xander would be a podcaster. He'd have a white guy podcast, a bro podcast. Yes, he would. (laughs) My whole alternate life is flashing before my eyes, a world in which Xander is like a Joe Rogan style (laughs) podcaster. He'd he'd probably be successful at it too. Right? So maybe, maybe it's for the best that he is of this time. He would call it Xander Slender. <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's be grateful for the timeline we are in. So Xander uh, says, yeah, maybe I should join the army. Anya says, don't they make you get up really early in the morning? And Xander's like, oh, yeah, never mind. Fair point. Yeah, it's a really good point. And Anya says, are you still upset about that fight you had with your friends? That was hours ago. Get over it. So they all think you're a lost, directionless loser with no plans for his future. <laughs> and Xander's like, you can't just that, right? And like, I think maybe they're right. And Anya's like, she gets into bed with him and she cuddles him. It's very sweet. And she says, so what if they are? You're a good person and a good boyfriend and I'm in love with you. Whatever they think of you, it shouldn't matter. And Xander says, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And you notice again, like just like in the Yoko factor uh, with Buffy and Riley, Xander doesn't say it back to her, right? Mm. He doesn't say, I love you too. He doesn't say, I'm in love with you too, which would have been a nice thing to say. Um, She Mm. said exactly the right thing here to make him feel better. She's being a good girlfriend. Yeah. So for her to say, you're a good boyfriend and I'm in love with you. And this is the first time I think we've heard her say that. And Xander's just like, yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, Xander, say it back. Buffy's got her axe out and she's roaming Adam's old cave and she sees the blank computers and stuff and she says, Adam, where are you? This is so like silly, right? Like I get that Buffy feels separated from all her friends. She hasn't even changed. She's in this like diaphanous shirt, you know, and she's just creeping into the cave with her axe. It, it, this is what like, what are you expecting to achieve here, Buffy? Like, I, I really couldn't guess what her plan was here, but she did say the night before that she was going to go on her own and scope things out and try to track him, right? And Willow's like, that's a bad idea, and it is a bad idea. Um, but here she is. But I think it's just to show us that Adam has left the area. And where did he go, Kara? He went to a secret lab. There's like a round door that opens. Good old secret labs. Those are classic. So it's in the initiative, right? So it's a secret lab within a secret lab. So Adam's leading Riley into the secret lab. And he's saying, this is where the new race will begin. They're in the initiative. There are areas no one knew about beyond those that needed to. Mother kept her secrets well. And there's mother, Kara. Maggie Walsh is a zombie And she's doing lab stuff in the secret lab. And Adam says, this is all this. This is all how she planned it, except she thought she'd be alive. Uh, That's your fault. (laughs) Such a hilarious anecdote, Adam. Please tell me again how you killed your mother. (laughs) This makes me really question, though. So we've been saying we found out that, um, you know, allegedly the actress playing Professor Walsh didn't want to be on the show as much as she was supposed to be she had other gigs to go to so they wrote her off and they wrote the adam thing in and this whole thing was supposed to be maggie walsh at the end of the season 
But now that I see Maggie Walsh is, in fact, in this episode, and she's zombified, she doesn't have any very many lines. Um, but it actually kind of makes me think that maybe, methinks, the creators or the runners and producers of the show made up that storyline to, like, explain away the critiques that this season was getting. That it's got a clunky bad guy, that it seems uneven with the initiative and the way the Adam story played out. I'm like, it would be very convenient for them to be like, well, that actress left and we were left in desperate need of new writing characters and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's possible they used it as a scapegoat <laughs> to make up for the fact that this this season's flawed. I, I mean, I feel like they're punishing Lindsay Krauss by making her, you know, have all these prosthetics and having to act like this. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, we'll get more into this in our wrap up episodes. Right, Steph? But I don't know what to make of this. season. It's just a mess. It's a hot mess. And there are definitely things I've appreciated more about it this time through with you. But I don't I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm really excited. This is actually the most uh, excited I've ever been to cover a wrap up for a season because there's just so much up and down here. But I'm just saying when I saw her in this episode and I was like, hmm, hmm, like, I don't know if I trust the, uh, the Joss Whedon or the producers when they say, oh, it's not our fault that we had to rewrite think, the season. Maybe think, it was always supposed to be this way. Yeah, I don't know. I think it, for me, it's just one of the reasons why I enjoy this episode so much i keep calling it the finale i know it's not the finale but i enjoy it so much not just because it means season four is almost over but <laughs> it's, it's remarkably good compared to the rest of the season right like it's ambitious it's ambitious it's this is a snappy episode the pacing is really good there's a lot that happens they achieve a lot but yeah like a scene like this one that we're discussing right now reminds me of how uneven this whole season has been Compared to that, this episode feels like if the whole season had been this way, season four might have been one of my favorites. Mm, I see. I see. I mean, Zombie Walsh is not alone. Zombie Engelman is there, too. And I wonder if some people are like, who's that again? <laughs> because remember, there was another scientist <laughs> that Adam killed. <laughs> and that's him. Um, so Ad Riley says something that's actually a legit question where she says, or he says, is that what you're going to do to me? <laughs> Um, and Adam says, they're just workers. Your destiny is much greater. And uh, suddenly, the person that we see, Zombie Walsh and Zombie Engelman, working on, sits up. And it's Forrest. And they've chosen a yellow demon to co to combine Forrest with. Um, and now he's kind of like Adam. And Riley's like, oh, God. And Forrest says, God has nothing to do with it. And Adam is just smiling like the happy parent he is, <laughs> like, watching his kid go off on their first day of kindergarten <laughs> so we go back to the cave where buffy continues to look forlornly for adam and she runs into spike what's spike doing down there that's exactly what buffy asks <laughs> and he, he says well, i'm looking for a weekend getaway place shove off <laughs> and buffy says no adam's using these caves i've got to find him and spike's like oh that's all i need running into that goon and you can tell from the tone of his voice he's like pretending you know he's trying hard to disguise the fact that that's all he's been doing is spending time in the cave making sweet sweet love to adam <laughs> steamy hours upon hours in that cave so buffy says well adam's cleared out so whatever he's planning to do it's about to go down and spike says oh look at little nancy drew 
What about those discs I napped? They ought to tell you something. Buffy says, Willow has the discs, and Spike says, well, I'd get on that. Can't just ignore valuable information because you two birds fell out now, can you? <gasps> and that's where a pin drops, right? And, and Buffy says, right. <laughs> of because course. <laughs> Spike shouldn't know that there was a falling out. He was not at the house at that time. And Buffy is not stupid. So her brain is now clicking into place. She's like, hmm. Okay, something's going on. Spike says, do what you want. And he leaves. He just swans away as he is wont to do. <laughs> and so we're left to wonder, right? Like, what's what's Buffy going to do now? Is she going to keep searching for Adam? Or has this new information changed her mind? I love that Buffy figured it out right away. Right? Because I, I didn't remember this episode. I didn't remember, like, how she figures out what Spike was up to. But, like, she just knew just from his one little slip up here. So my question, and I, I think the answer to this is probably no. Did Spike slip up on purpose? No. No way. <laughs> I think I think okay, he accidentally did that. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, Spike's kind of a buffoon in this episode, if you notice. Like, he's, he does a lot of things. Absolutely. Yeah, he slips up in a lot of different ways. And, um, yeah, I just think, I don't, I don't know why. I don't think it's uncommon for Spike to mess up because <laughs> he does. Yeah, and he has in the past. Um, but he does it a lot in this episode. So, yeah. So so Willow is in Tara's room uh, on her laptop. And she, she says she's on to something with the encryption. And she's figured out a key pattern that will unlock it. But then it just unlocks itself, right? Like it, it just it did it on its own. And she says, oh, it must be programmed to self-decrypt at, at a certain point. That is so annoying. It's like someone blurting out the answer to a riddle just when you've... <laughs> and she's like, I mean, yippee, we have the information. <laughs> So Tara says, I don't know if Yippie is the right response either, because Tara's reading the encryption and Tara must be equally as smart as Willow. Like, like I've never gotten the impression that Tara's not smart, but like it, it takes a certain brain to read, I'm sure, like encrypted stuff like this. And Tara seems to understand what's going on. So the phone rings, Tara answers and she says, yeah, she's right here. I, I mean, let me check. <laughs> And she checks in with Willow and she says, it's it's Buffy, right? And I think that's really funny because one, it shows like nice loyalty on Tara's <laughs> point, right? Like, let me yeah. check in and make sure she wants to talk to you first. But it's just really funny how she's like, ah, I mean, let me check if she's here. <laughs> so just adorably awkward. So Riley's trying to speak to Zombie Walsh. And Forrest says she's dead, artificially reanimated with basic to moderate brain activity. Mommy can hear you, but she's still a walking corpse. So does Forrest call her mommy now, too? Yeah, this is starting to get a little weird. It's getting a little uncomfortable, start, guys. Start, starting, yes. It's been, a weird, it's been weird for a while. It's been it's always been weird. Uh, but um, this is how we know for sure that the initiative initiative did not hire Chris and Eric from some assembly required season two. Earlier this season, you and I had guessed that maybe they were, they hired them straight out of prison to help with uh, reanimated dead objects and people and things. Um, but we know that those boys required some sort of magic tapped into the hellmouth to do that <laughs> and their reanimated corpses were real people right daryl could walk and talk and think but these zombies don't seem to have much going on at all except for obeying their master um which again shows a little bit that uh the initiative science is inferior to magic and the magic that the scoobies would use and the magic that other residents in, Re in sunnydale tap into it, but it's also possible that 
Adam didn't want his workers to have brains. He just wants them to work. <laughs> so maybe he opted into the initiative reanimation. Forrest says that he's not like Walsh. He's surging with life and strength. And Adam made me to be as nearly as bad as he is. Really looking forward to trying out your girl again. We don't need to hear about your surging, Forrest. It's okay. But you should probably get it looked at. <laughs> Do you think Forrest's makeup looks good? No. Actually, the speckling pattern on the, the yellow parts really disturbs me. I have this thing about like spots and holes and stuff. It just... Ugh. Um, and even though it's not very prominent, it's kind of faded. Every time I see the back of his head, I'm just like, uh, do not like. I didn't think the the head makeup was that bad, like the the top of his head and the bottom of his chin and stuff. But then when he held out his arm just now, when he says this, I was like, that looks like a glove. It looks like you just mm. slipped on a glove. No doubt it is. Um, and well, it just I mean, doesn't look as good. You've also got like the colored liquid tubes coming out of Walsh and Engelman. And it's like, yeah. like, don't get me wrong. There's clearly a budget in this episode. As we, we've said previously, there's a lot going on in here. They chose where to put the money. Yeah. And it was not in these costumes. It wasn't in Forrest's makeup trailer. Riley says, I'm sorry, Forrest. And Forrest says, don't be. This is the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm free of all my weaknesses, my doubts. I feel sad for you, Forrest, if this is the best thing that's ever happened to you. Right? What went wrong in your life? <laughs> that being a half demon is the best thing. But I mean, I guess they're trying to show throughout the season that Forrest is a little bit power hungry or um, strength, like yeah, strength happy, I, I, I you mean, know? This is tragic. It's just like if he were turned into a vampire, right? He's soulless now. But it's also justifying, well, he's quote-unquote evil now, so it's okay for Riley to blow him up later. So you think he's soulless? I mean, I don't know, but he's clearly supposed to be evil, right? Yeah, but I, um, it's hard because he was kind of adopting this attitude by the time he was murdered. Like, when Adam killed him, he was starting to get like this, you know? I don't Because Buffy even said, like, oh, you don't care about killing people? He's like, less and less. Right, but I don't think, like, he died. I yeah, don't think yeah, he would have yeah. joined Adam willingly at any point, right? Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. So obviously when he came back, maybe he's got a chip in him too. <laughs> Just everyone's got a well, chip. Well, that's the thing, right? Is yeah. I think Adam, and maybe it was easier for Adam to convert Forrest because Forrest always already had those attitudes, right? Like the anger, Adam could harness that. I don't know. Yeah. Theories. Write in with your theories, listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also think, I mean, it's an it's a very small moment. Um, Riley doesn't have much to do in this episode, episode except for sit still. But it's a, it's a small moment that I appreciated that Riley says, I'm sorry, Forrest. Because, like, Riley and Forrest started the season off besties, right? Like, they were close friends. They're, like, we're brothers in arms. So, obviously, Riley would feel a way about this guy who he thought died but has now clearly come back, just like you said, just similar to like when Jesse came back as a vampire. Like this is still something that would affect him and upset him. So I, I like that they gave him a moment to say, I'm sorry this happened to you, right? Like this this isn't what I wanted for you as my friend. Yeah, that's fair. It's more than Kendra or Mr. Trick got. <laughs> well, small baby steps. <laughs> so Riley says... Um, I'll never let that happen to what Forrest said. And Forrest is like, don't you get it, brother? You don't have a choice. You belong to us now. And Riley's like, that's not true. And Forrest says, then why don't you get out of that chair and walk out of here? And Riley says, you can't control my... And then Walsh, the zombie, just barges in here and says, Riley, be a good boy. <laughs> and she sticks him with a needle. Um, 
Okay, so what was Riley going to say here? He says, you can't control my dot, dot, dot. And I, I want to, is he going to say heart? Like, you can't control my heart or you can't control my, like, what is he going to say? I'm just curious. I would say actions, body. Because they can. They've controlled his body and his mind Yeah, it's so pretty far. clear. <laughs> Riley is a little slow in this episode. It's taking him a while to get caught up to That's this. what I mean. He doesn't have a lot to do. And like, honestly, it's funny when Spike was like poking at him and being like, more, what do you say? More stiffer than usual. <laughs> Meaning that he always is kind of stiff. Um, it's a pretty funny joke, but it's actually kind of true. The fact that like Riley, like his facial expressions, I'm not getting much from them. I don't not, think we're supposed to. I think yeah. Mark Lucas is doing a fantastic job of acting wooden, right? It's not bad acting. <laughs> yeah. It's intentional acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's hard to, you know, critique the acting here. He really is supposed to just sit like a log. Buffy, Xander, Giles, and Willow are all meeting up in what I can only assume is Rugs Field. Um, Anya didn't come, and Willow says Tara didn't feel welcome. And Buffy's like, why? Because of the things we said? Who told you that we were talking behind your back specifically? And Willow says, Spike, specifically. And Buffy asks Xander, who told you we thought you'd be better off joining the army? And Xander's like, well, that's not exactly what he said. And Giles says, well, Spike can be very convincing when... I'm very stupid. <laughs> oh, Giles. This is a repeat, too. Back in um, this year's Girl, remember, uh, Giles and Xander ran into Spike, and Xander told him everything. And then after that, Xander says, we're very stupid, or we're dumb, right? So that's a little bit of a callback to that. Buffy says, he played us. He wanted us to fight, split us up. That's where it came from, the stuff we said the other night. And Giles is just like, okay, so Piffle, let's move on. And then they all agree to that. And Buffy's like, okay, great. But things are still a little bit awkward, obviously, because true things were shared in their fight. And Will says, why do we think Spike made with the head games? And Xander says he's all dressed up but with no one to bite. He's got to get his yaya somehow. And Buffy thinks that it's Adam. And Xander says, Spike's working for Adam? After all we've done? Nah, I can't even act surprised. And I was like, good. None of you should be surprised by this. We've been saying all season, like, he, stake him because he's evil and or so cut off all ties to him. Right? Like, they walked into this one. Exactly. So that's why I think that's also why they don't really harp on it. Like, no one really, like, you know, addresses it after this. They're I, just like, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think this scene is really well done because after spending the whole episode breaking them apart, the challenge for the writers is, well, how do we get them back together and where we want them in less than one episode? Because they could have drawn out the reconciliation to be its own episode, right? But they didn't want to do that because they had special plans that we won't talk about right here. Ooh. And so I think this is very efficient. Like I said, I really like the pacing of this episode. This is an example of that. It's one scene. They bring everything kind of full circle and say, okay, look, like this is what happened. Spike did this. And it comes up again in the next couple of scenes as they kind of work through everything. But this is a, I just, I love the way it's filmed, right? The different angles that they use to focus on, on each of the actors. It's really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I I love the the tension that's still there because you see they're all spread out, right? They're all on their different axes, you know, north, south, east, west. And um, it, it, it's really lovely to see the four of them in this kind of situation. 
So Buffy says that when she ran into Spike, he was made a big noise about getting the information about the encrypted disks. And Willow says that they were decrypted. And all it said was a bunch of stuff they already knew about 314, including a final phase where Adam manufactures a bunch of creepy cyber demonoids like him. And there's a special lab in the initiative, but they didn't say where. And Buffy says, Adam gave Spike the discs, like for sure. And he wanted me to know about this evil guy assembly line. This lab is in the initiative. Well, give the demon his due. He thought this one out. And I was like, did he? <laughs> did he, Buffy? Um, and Buffy says, you know how overcrowded the containment cells have been in the initiative? These demons were just too easy to catch. It's like they wanted in that place and giles says it's a trojan horse and buffy says adam's going to make sure the demons attack the initiative from the inside and xander says demons versus soldiers massacre massacre and willow says and adam has a neat pile of body parts to start assembling his army diabolical yet gross (laughs) and xander says does anyone else miss the mayor i just want to be a big snake So Buffy says, I've got to shut him down, Giles. His final phase is about to start and the initiative won't listen to me. And Riley's a deserter and he got bad news and he took off. So Xander says, Adam has this evil plan. Why is he so anxious for you to know about it? And Buffy says he wants me there, probably figures I'll even the kill ratio. And Xander's like, he's not worried that you'll oh say kill him. And Buffy says, no, he's really not. So... I like when Buffy gives him, like, you know, give the demon his due. Like, he thought this one out. It's, like, really good. And I was like, is it? <laughs> because it all came together just now. And you guys figured it out pretty quickly, within, like, a couple minutes of talking about it. So <laughs> so now we're back to Adam. Uh, once again, pontificating. He's like, the Slayer is coming. I can feel it. <laughs> um, Adam, that's just your boner for Spike. <laughs> He'll figure it out one day. <laughs> Spike says, good on you. Got a chunk of pros- prognosticating demon in you. Like you wouldn't know, Spike. <laughs> <laughs> and Spike, once again, one track mind, he's like, you know, there's only one thing he thinks about when he looks at Adam, and that's getting his chip out. <laughs> he says, get this chip out of my cranium. I'll be out of your way. And watch the hairline. I don't want to have to do a comb over when I'm back to my killing ways. Which I, I like that Spike is protective of his hair, right? Because like mm. he clearly like it's bleached. I don't know. The rules on vampire hair growth are still very unclear to me. Does he have to keep re-bleaching his hair or is it like that forever now? I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say how quickly it grows or whatever. But I would imagine since we've seen vampires have long hair and short hair, that um, he has to upkeep that bleach and the style mm, and the cut. Interesting. Must be so hard to do your hair when you can't like look in the well, mirror, right? Like, he was a fool for letting Harmony go because Harmony probably did that for him, you know? Blondie bear. <laughs> my my platinum baby. Does does Adam, does Adam call Spike those things? <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt in my mind. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope. Uh, I wish there were a deleted scene where they're in bed together, smoking cigarettes, of course. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, Spike's like talking about Harmony and Adam's like, you're always going on about your exes. It's Drusilla this and Harmony that. And Spike's just like breaking down and be like, she used to call me Blondie Bear. And Adam's like, <laughs> would you like me to call you Blondie Bear? And Spike says, yes. <laughs> More than anything. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, Adam's like, no, 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 Spike. Like once the Slayer gets here, it's just stringing Spike along. I'm starting to feel like this relationship is a little bit toxic. 
a little bit, but not not a lot. We've seen more toxic relationships on the show. <laughs> so um, we go to Giles's, and I sincerely hope that Giles drove them all there, or maybe Xander. <laughs> I was um, say something similar. <laughs> What were you gonna say? Like, like that, just that, right? Like they were yeah. at Rugs Field, and now they're at Giles's house, and it's like, okay, did ever did they all walk there? It was the girls for sure uh, walked there because Tara and, J- and Willow have already been at Giles's house today, so they, surely they're tired from their like multiple kilometer this is walk. Never gonna get old for me. Never, never, literally. They left at 8 a.m. to get there for 9.30. They left at 9.30 to get back to school at 11. They met Buffy and the four of them at noon. And now, assumingly, Giles and Xander drove them to Giles' house, which would probably only take 10 minutes. Are, are the caves that Buffy was exploring, are those in between Giles' yeah, they're, house and the campus? They're in the four miles of forest <laughs> between the school and Giles' house. All right. So, so yeah, so they're there. I'm glad they got there. Um, They're trying to figure out how to kill Adam. And Buffy says, Riley says his power source is uranium core embedded in his chest, probably near the spine. And I was like, actually, Buffy, Jonathan told told Riley that. So that information came from Superstar. Uh, Willow suggests magic, some kind of uranium extraction spell. And then she's like, I'm reaching. And Giles says, yeah, maybe like a paralyzing spell. Only I can't con- perform the incantation of this. And Will's like, well, don't you have to speak Sumerian? And Giles says he does speak Sumerian, but it's more that... He, he says it in kind of a prissy way. Like he's a little bit offended that she thinks he doesn't. He's like, I do. Uh, it's more about that I'm not an experienced witch. <laughs> that only one, and only an experienced witch can encant it. And you'd have to be within striking distance of the subject. And Xander says, okay, so we need we need combo Buffy with her slayer strength and Giles with his multilingual know-how and Willow with her witchy power. And then they all look back at him and he kind of like backtracks from that, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I've got like full of good ideas. Um, but Giles actually says like, as a matter of fact, you are. So we cut to, is it Lowell House? It's the initiative Correct. fraternity. Oh, good. It's weird though. If you watch this scene, it sounds like everybody's dubbed. Like, it just doesn't sound like their voices match. Very much like how it was in Doomed. Mm. It just sounds like, especially for Giles, that they went in there and redid their voices. So the Scoobies are entering and Willow is asking Xander if he's nervous. And he says, no way. I'm full of that good old kamikaze spirit. And Giles says, Xander, just because this is never going to work, there's no need to be negative. And Willow is asking if the enjoining spell is powerful enough to defeat Adam. And Giles says it's very powerful. It's also extraordinarily dangerous. And they're saying all this while they enter the hallway where the mirror elevator is. And this is an iconic shot of the four of them, Buffy opening the doors and them all coming in together. And Buffy says, game faces, guys, we're going in. And she punches through the the mirror. So the... I know, it's so cool. So the next the next shot is Willow and Buffy scaling the walls. <laughs> scaling implies climbing. They're repelling They're down repelling. the walls. It is awesome. Where did they get this gear? <laughs> There's obviously four sets. I mean, of... I assume either from Xander's military know-how, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. or there must be like a, like a mountain climbing store <laughs> in Sunnydale, California. I mean, good for them. I mean, Buffy did have something similar to that. Remember in... Um, 
season three when she scaled into the mayor's office to steal that box in choices i think it was that was the first time we'd seen like angel right. and her use the pulley and it didn't work and we we're like where did you get that right. we talked all about that. <laughs> yeah we talked a lot about that so same thing same situation um anyway they're scaling the walls and buffy's checking in with willow um who says she's doing super and this <laughs> what was i thinking using stairs all the time and Buffy says, like, Will, I'm j- I'm sorry. I hate that things have been so strained between all of us. And Willow says, it's not your fault. Spike stirred up trouble. And Buffy says, I think trouble was stirrable. Uh, I think we've all sort of drifted apart this year, don't you? And Willow says, maybe a little. But first year of college, it's hard to keep up with. It's hard to keep your old high school gang together. So true. It's so true. And Buffy says, I, I want it together. I miss you and Giles and Xander and... It is my fault. I've been so wrapped up in my own stuff. I've been a bad friend. And Will says, you're the Slayer, Buffy. Your stuff is pretty crucial. And Buffy says, I mean, Riley. And, well, Riley, mostly. And uh, I love this. I love this so much. One thing this shows is remember back in Something Blue when Willow was really hurting and Buffy had Mm -hmm. to do Slayer stuff and Willow was like getting pissed about it, right? She's like, oh, she cares more about Spike. Why doesn't she just marry him, right? Like she was getting really bitter, but she was in a bad place then. So just this little development here where she's like, no, like I get it. Like you have important things going on. But more importantly, I really love the maturity of Buffy here. Like it's, it's really nice of her to acknowledge that she's been absent to acknowledge that she got caught up in her own life, something that you and I, Kara, had mentioned many mm-hmm. times in season four. We're like, Buffy's, you know, she's caught up in the in- initiative and Riley. It's big of her to re- recognize this and realize that she hasn't been there for her friend the way she would have wanted to be. I agree. I love this. I called it, I called it girl talk in the elevator shaft. <laughs> it's so cute. It's just the way it's filmed, right, as they're moving down the shaft. It's very dynamic. And it's just the way that they reconcile, right? And mm-hmm. Buffy, you know, Buffy's like, you were going through something huge. Because Willow, Willow said, I haven't been misavailable either. I kept secrets. I hid things from everyone. And Buffy's like, you know, it's not your fault. And Willow says, I wanted to tell you, but I was so scared. Aww. And then Buffy says, you can tell me anything. I love you. You're Aww. my best friend. And they hug when they reach the bottom of the elevator shaft. And like, this episode is so good in so many ways. And obviously there are some iconic scenes coming up, but even just this moment, I'm just like, yes, this is all I've wanted is just for Buffy and Willow to be okay again. Yeah, I got like little butterflies with this because Willow says, I love you too. And they hug, but they're not at the bottom yet. So the rest of the way down, they slide (laughs) as they hug until they reach the bottom. It's so cute. Um, And I, you know me, I like, I love when friends say I love you to each other. And it's just, it's very, very sweet. Um, And when they get to the bottom, like Buffy says, let's promise to never not talk again. And Willow says, I promise. And this is like such a healthy conflict resolution, you guys. Like just say you're sorry and that you'll, you'll learn from it and you understand each other and that's all you need right and xander comes down and joins them and they hug him too and buffy's like you know we love you right and willow says we totally do and xander's like oh god we're gonna die aren't we <laughs> and willow says no no we just missed you and xander smiles and he's like giles hurry up you definitely want to get down here for this so we don't know if giles ever joined the group hug i assume not but again i was like as i said earlier giles wasn't really part of that fight he was around it well this is this is the callback as well it's like the photo right of the three of them together and Mm -hmm. this series has always been xander buffy and willow it that is the trio um there is no other trio it's the three of them because it from the beginning of the show right 
the three of them were walking away from Giles at the end of uh, the harvest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he gets the last line of the show, but he is removed from them, just like he is in this moment, because it, the three of them bonded together over the last three years of high school. And they have faced so much together. So once again, they're facing this together. And yeah, Giles is there, and he is also an important part of the team. But like you said, he's a little bit removed from them. Yeah, it's it's just reconfirming in this scene that like we acknowledge that we're drifting apart because that happens. That happens when you go to university, right? You meet new friends, you have new experiences, um, but they're just acknowledging that they still really matter to each other, right? Buffy's saying like, I don't want us to grow apart. I, I love you guys. I want you in my life. And that's really nice to hear. Cut to them prying open the doors of the initiative. And guess what? There's a number of initiative soldiers just waiting there. What did for they them. expect? Like, <laughs> there's a security system. This is a secret government facility. I mean, yes, Buffy has broken in multiple times yeah. before. I feel like they would have upgraded at some point, though. So <laughs> I was going to say, I, I will say every other time they've broken in, it's been a piece of cake. So True, true, true. Yeah. So meanwhile, uh, in the secret lab... <laughs> <laughs> of the secret facility. We have Spadum mm-hmm. watching TV together, you know, bonding. <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're watching on the closed-circuit TV feed the initiative people bringing Buffy in and, and the gang. And Spike's saying, oh, the bait's been taken. The trap's all set. The Slayer has landed. Guess what he wants, Steph? Love? <laughs> You're wrong. He wants the chip out. He says, one chipperectomy, please. <laughs> And Adam is not paying attention. He is too obsessed with what's going on on these tiny, terrible camera screens. <laughs> and Spike says, hello, paging Dr. Obi-Wan. <laughs> and Adam is fixated on the fact that Buffy is not alone. <gasps> and Spike double checks. And he's like, okay, yeah, the Scoobies were with her. So what? And Adam says, you failed me again. And you can hear the irritation in his voice. Like, I like this about Adam's character. He has this deep voice that kind of like it, it, it has a lot of energy to it but when he gets annoyed you can really tell so he spike says well that's one way of looking at it and he goes to leave and wants to make a fast exit when Forrest grabs him and spike says it's not like i wasn't trying that's worth something wasn't it adam says i suppose and he starts to consider it and he says yes i will honor our agreement and remove your chip Take his head off. <laughs> so Forrest is loving this because, of course, this is Hostel 17. This is the vampire that has eluded him for the last several months. So he slams Spike against a wall and starts choking him. And Spike only manages to evade his grip by taking a cigarette that he was smoking. So clearly he and Adam had sex before this scene. Obviously, yes. <laughs> um, and he sticks it in Forrest's forehead. And um, that, that cause is enough pain. I guess Adam hasn't tweaked Forrest's pain receptors yet. So. Yeah. That is my thing about this. Number, number one, Forrest like, tries to choke Spike, a vampire. Right. And I was like, is this your first vampire kill, uh, Forrest? Number one. Uh, number two, yeah, when Spike puts a cigarette out on Forrest's face, I was like, he still has feeling in that thing? Like, I thought he was a dead, reanimated body. Like, Adam doesn't have any feeling. From what I can tell. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So Spike manages to escape and Adam says, let him go. There's nowhere left to run and turns back to watching his TV show. So the Scoobies are um, brought to the colonel 
who was saying that they, you know, you have some nerve, lady. Uh, you think you and your friends can just keep waltzing into a government installation, brandishing weapons like this. And he, he opens up the bag that they brought and he pulls out something really unknown and clearly not a gun um, or one of the blinky guns that the initiative loves so much. And Willow says, it's a gourd. <laughs> and Giles says, a magic they're, gourd. And they're, they're both kind of like subdued, right? Because they're yeah. surrounded by armed officers. So, so Giles is like, a magic like it feels very um like you just got caught with contraband or something yeah yeah and even like it shows buffy's face in that too where they're just like mm, <laughs> how are we gonna explain this um and the colonel says what kind of freaks are you people and buffy says adam is here colonel in the initiative those overcrowded containment cells of yours courtesy of adam he's pulling a trojan horse on you and of course the colonel is like nah like every inch of this installation is under constant 24-hour surveillance and willow's like including the secret lab and he's like what secret lab and buffy's like the one built for the final stage of 314 project you have no idea what i'm talking about and the colonel and the colonel says i know everything that goes on around here uh, if adam wants to try it i'm ready for it and giles says how exactly do you plan to get close enough to adam to remove the power source and the colonel says we're gonna hit him simultaneously with multiple taser blasters and blinky guns uh incapacitate him with as much voltage as we can muster and buffy tells him like he feeds on taser blasts <laughs> and now you're gonna provide him with an all-you-can-eat buffet and colonel says you telling me my business and buffy i love this part the vampire slayer says this is not your business it's mine you the initiative the boys at the pentagon you're all in way over your heads messing with primeval forces that you have absolutely no comprehension of and the colonel says and you do and buffy says i'm the slayer you're playing on my turf Ooh, yes 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 this yes, is so yes. good like buffy has come such a long way right she was a high school student unsure of her abilities unsure if she could even take on the master and then with each successive year she has stood up to these bigger and badder villains and now she's standing up to this you know u.s army officer who thinks he knows best because she's just a silly blonde girl but no like buffy is establishing i am the expert here you either take me seriously or you get out of my way and i love it yeah, it's like very like feminist to me, you know, it's very like woman power. And and again, like we, we talked about this earlier in the season too, like the initiative, like look at all these men, right? It's masculine, they rely on technology and equipment and their guns. And then we have the crew led by Buffy, who is obviously a woman leader, and they have gourds <laughs> and magic and they go by teamwork and in intuition, and I think that's just a really nice comparison and juxtaposition against the other two. And and Buffy holds her own and she's right. She's like, I have authority here. I know what the hell I'm doing and you have no idea. So I just really love that this showdown between these two leaders, you know. So the colonel says, up there maybe, but down here I'm the one who's in control. <laughs> yes, suddenly the lights all turn off and the power grid is down. Adam was listening. Adam knows his cue. Like he <laughs> should be a stage manager or like light technician. He missed his calling in theater. He really did. Um, 
Adam is like, whoopsie, because he's been watching this whole thing. And he opens all Can the doors. Can you imagine if he just accidentally knocked that switch? Like, what if the timing was off? He did it like five seconds too early. Oh, he he would never make such a mistake. He's been waiting for this day. <laughs> he has a whole script down. Um, he Adam opens up all the doors to the containment cells and unlocks all of the initiatives, you know, secret protocol doors or whatever. Um, and the scientists that just so happen to be in the hallway when all the containment cells open, they get just eaten. <laughs> right. So this is what I was thinking watching this scene, Steph. What would it be like if you were one of the people from the initiative who called in sick that day? Like if you had meant, you know, you were supposed to be working that day and you're just like, I'm sick, I can't come into work. Right. Like, how would it feel if the only reason you avoided getting massacred by the demons at your job is that you called in sick the one day it happened? Oh, my God. I feel it feels so amazing. <laughs> you feel relief. <laughs> you feel right? like, like you had a second chance at life. <laughs> yeah. Like, statistically speaking, there must be some people out sick today. Yes. And it's like those are the lucky ones in this scenario. But it's almost just like you can't predict when this is going to happen. So they they just lucked out of avoiding this whole massacre. And I'm just imagining like what is it like, you know, like do they show up for work the next day and everybody's dead? And they're like, what happened? <laughs> or can you imagine? Like, Does somebody from the Pentagon call them and be like, yeah, so don't go into work tomorrow? Or, or like I imagine this is nighttime, right? Like someone's working the night shift, like the you know the the custodian or somebody, and they just happen to be running twenty minutes late. Oh my so, god! Can you imagine a custodian with like headphones in, <laughs> back turned to all the carnage, cleaning, just like mopping the floor <laughs> while demons are killing everybody in the background? But that's the thing is like if you're running late, you get there because Adam lo- unlocks all the doors except for the doors to the exits. So you're trying to get in. You're like, oh, shit. Like, was it like a holiday? Like, whoop, my bad. So you just leave and then you, you're like, I'll call first thing in the morning and say I couldn't get in. And then you call and they're just like, oh, everyone's dead. The initiative's over. <laughs> I don't know. I'd feel gr- I'd feel great, honestly, if I if I avoided this massacre just because of my bad, poor time management skills. Or the fact that I got ill. Um, so so we cut back to the colonel who's asking an operator how many hostels are loose. And he says, all of them, sir. And I will point out here, I thought that this guy was very cute. This little initiative operator. He was pretty good looking. And Buffy says, it's Adam. I'm the only one who can stop him now. Let me handle this. Get your people out of here. And the colonel, of course, ignores her and says, men, follow me. We got to take the armory now. These people are under arrest. Do you understand? And they all leave, and Buffy immediately takes out the two soldiers left behind. No time to waste. Literally, within seconds, gets rid of them. Uh, one of them being the cute one. They go to find Adam as Willow sits down on the computer, and Giles is basically saying that the enjoining spell they're going to do is extremely touchy, and we can risk we can't risk it being interrupted. So we need to find a place that's quiet. And Outside, the humans are being thrown around because it's mayhem. It's just mayhem. And this is what we mean by this is really, really ambitious is because the demons have taken over like the pit and like the big initiative area and the soldiers have come to meet them and the poor scientists have no, you know, they're just getting eaten and massacred. Um, But yeah, things are exploding. There's humans being thrown around. There's fighting, like lots of action going on here. Spike is in the thick of it as well because he can't get out, um, but he's been beating up the demons, obviously. So I will add that this scene and this ending of this episode reminded me a lot of Cabin in the Woods. Did you see Cabin in the Woods? 
Oh, hell yeah. I love Cabin in the Woods. So good. So good. So so this is a very similar scene to it reminded me a lot of the end of Cabin in the Woods. Anyone who hasn't seen it, go see it. And I had said earlier in a different episode that another scene, um, I believe it was in the Yoko Factor, another scene reminded me of a scene in the Avengers. And I just I just noticed. So I was like, okay, so Joss Whedon has been trial running all these excellent ideas like in Buffy before he brings them to the big screen and makes millions off them. Um, like I do want to give it to Joss Whedon for this particular scene and for this part of the episode because it is really exciting to see, right? Like a big demon versus human brawl like we didn't see a lot of it in season three finale with the mayor and the vampires and like the kids yeah i I mean we we see some fight sequences but yeah every every season finale they get to up the stakes i guess yeah so it's just this is a really big like you know all-out brawl and i think it's really really fun to watch so willow's found where the secret room is (laughs) it's behind 314, the lab, can you imagine? Wow, that's a real <laughs> shocker. If only the initiative guys had looked a little harder. If only. So yeah, so they all go there. <laughs> and um, we cut back to the carnage and the initiative and Graham is there. Graham's there and he's he's sh- shooting a gun around. Um, Buffy is leading the Scoobies through the massacre. Um, she's taking demons out as she can. Xander manages to electrocute cute one with a gun. Uh, Buffy saves Willow from being shot <laughs> and Giles takes out a vampire with a bag and with the gourd in the bag. So the Scoobies get to the lab at 314 and they find the secret opening to the secret lab behind 314. Wow. Once again, so difficult to find. I mean, I know Adam probably like did that on purpose, but it's, or no, he wouldn't have because he doesn't want Buffy to find him. He wants Buffy to stick around in the initiative. So they're just really good at finding secret stuff. All Willow and Buffy did was move a little cart over and they're like, there's the door. So (laughs) Willow, uh, so Buffy goes in and she's like, barricade this door behind me. Is this place okay for the magic, for the magic, magic controller or central? And Giles says it should be. And Willow says, as long as we don't get blown up. And Buffy says, how long until the ritual kicks in? And Giles says, five minutes, give or take. And Xander's like, I don't like you going in there alone, Buffy. And I'm like, yeah, we know you don't, Xander. You never have. Since episode one and two, you have followed Buffy into these things. So we know. And Buffy says, I won't be. And grins all around. Friendship for all. And Willow blocks the door behind her with the just by easily pushing that cart in front of it. <laughs> and Xander Giles block the door where the demons uh, fight is going on. So Buffy enters the secret lab, immediately sees Riley and shouts, Riley! <laughs> right, like she abandons all secrecy, jumps down there, right, to, to free him. Doesn't even scout the area first. He's not going anywhere. He's sitting in this chair. He seems fine, right? He's not bleeding out. Maybe be stealthy for, like, if this were a video game level, I would scout all around that catwalk and be really super stealthy. And then maybe I'd go approach Riley. But probably not, because I know that's what would trigger the boss fight. So... Yeah. Well, Buffy said it earlier. She's distracted by Riley and clearly it's still a thing. So when she gets to him, though, it's so funny because she's like, are you hurt? Say something. Say something. Damn it. And he won't talk to her. So Riley looks over, though, with his eyes and zombie Walsh and zombie, you know, Engelman are there. And Adam walks in. He's like, he's not programmed to talk to you. He's part of the final phase now, as you were supposed to be. And I know like Adam wanted Buffy to kill a lot of demons for him. But did he actually also want Buffy to die so he could make her into a super soldier? 
That's a good question. Would a resurrected zombie demon Buffy still have Slayer strength? Right? Because that's it's it's a magical thing she has, right? Mm. So if she dies and then he brings her back as a zombie, does she have Slayer strength or is she just the strength of like her ordinary tiny blondness? I mean, that's an interesting question. And I, I don't think, I don't know if we've ever asked it before, but, you know, there was one episode in Nightmares where Buffy thought like you know her nightmare was that she was going to be a vampire and she did still have her powers or maybe she just had vampire well, strength at that point yeah she is she would have yeah. vampire strength at this point the question though is like if she were to be changed into a vampire yeah would she re- keep her slayer power too would she even need it at that point so interesting buffy says sorry i don't jump through hoops on command i've never really been the one to toe the line and but adam's just like oh Kill her. And Forrest grabs Buffy and is like, I thought you'd never ask. And Zombie Walsh starts advancing on Buffy with a saw. And there's no way in hell this would ever be a threat for Buffy because she just like, you know, kicks her back and fights Forrest. And they knock over a glass right next to where Riley is sitting. Meanwhile, Willow, Xander, and Giles are sitting in a circle lighting candles and Willow is about to do the spell. She says, power of the slayer and all who wield it. Last to ancient first, we invoke thee. Grant us thy domain and primal strength. Accept us for the powers we possess. Make us mind and heart and spirit joined. Let the hand encompass us. Do thy will. So more fighting. Forrest is very strong. Riley shouts, Buffy! And Forrest says, Shut up. Watch me kill your girlfriend, Finn. That's an order. But as they're fighting, Riley's hand is starting to inch toward the broken glass next to him. You're inching. Stop it. You're inching. (laughs) You're inching. He grabs a shard and he cuts a big old hole in his chest and he reaches inside his own chest. It's very graphic. This is one of those things where it's either incredibly brave or incredibly stupid and probably both. Oh, I think it's both for sure because it does take some gumption to perform surgery on yourself um on the other hand the hell are you doing riley (laughs) what are you doing so willow is overturning a card that says spiritus spirit and then she gives a card to xander who says animus heart and then she hands one to giles who says sophus mind and willow says manis the hand and we we cut to buffy who's fighting so they're basically invoking captain planet is what i'm getting from this Ooh, that's why they get so much strength (laughs) (laughs) But this is actually very interesting, right? So obviously they're all representing something to Buffy here, right? Giles is the mind because he's the wise one that has all the answers. Willow is the spirit. And I wonder if that's because she's just like... She's connected to, you know, the spiritual plane. Magic, astral projection, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then Xander is the heart. And I was like, what, what makes... Heart is always the, heart. the worst power, right? Like the game <laughs> Captain Planet. Heart was the the little like kid guy who, uh, you know. And and I say this as like I always wanted to be Heart, right? So like I'm not I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that's how it's treated in these kinds of stories. So I understand why Xander gets Heart, but he is you know it's true. He is the Heart. He's the one who goes in and gives Buffy CPR in Prophecy Girl, right? Yeah, and and he's also the one that's always with them trying to save the world, but he actually doesn't have any superpowers and often yeah. doesn't doesn't have anything he, to um, give. He <laughs> trains the rest of the student body in the, the season three finale, right? So, you know, Xander is the heart. He's the one who, I don't want to say he keeps the gang together because don't worry. I think Willow does. Uh, we I will, think Willow we will does be that. back into our Xander slander in season five. Don't worry, people. <laughs> Can't wait. But- 
Xander, for all of his flaws, at the end of the day, I truly believe he would give his life to save the lives of his friends or even an innocent. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I definitely want to break this down because I was like, interesting that they're just laying it all out like this. Willow says, we enjoin that we may inhabit the vessel, the hand, daughter of Senea, first of the ones. And I love this, that the first of the ones, obviously the chosen ones. So O'Reilly pulls out the chip. He literally dug his hand into his own chest and pulled out this chip um, which apparently was embedded into his nervous system. Riley, you're playing a very dangerous game here. <laughs> so he, he pulls it out just as Forrest and the zombies are holding Buffy down. And Forrest is saying, that's it? That's all you got? And Riley says, no, she's got me. And he pulls the tubes out of the zombies. And I guess that's enough to defeat them. And Forrest says, look who came off the bench. And Buffy kicks Forrest in the face, which is really funny. And then she says to Riley, I need to go get Adam. Are you able? And Riley's like, go. And he's got blood on his hands, just like Faith used to get. I, I have to give it to Riley. Okay. He is stepping up. This is exactly what Buffy needs from him right now. He's supporting her. Um, I know I've been critical of Riley in the past, but in this moment, you go, dude. Yeah, no, good for him. And he does allow, because Forrest does like throw him around a bit, you know. Um, I just, I just, I really, like the fact that he pulled that chip out. I was like, is it really that simple? Like Spike, just pull the chip out. (laughs) Just, Just pull it out of your brain. So cut to the fighting in the soldier room. The colonels joined in and they're shooting everything. He's like, fall back, fall back. And Adam's watching this all on the screen. Buffy comes in and says, fun, isn't it? And Adam says, I do appreciate violence. And Buffy says, good. And she just runs at him and he pushes her back so easily. And he's like taking her out. He pulls out his arm needle. uh, Remember that? And Buffy snaps it. And she's like, broke your arm. That's uh, that's emasculating right there, right? (laughs) But no, it's not because he says, got another. And like there's worrying. (laughs) And his arm turns into a giant machine gun no doubt something that spike helped him (laughs) fly and um he says i've been upgrading and he starts to fire at her buffy dies behind this this slow motion she dies behind this machine why do they always dive in slow motion you've got to dive faster than that buffy maybe it helps them avoid the bullets better if everything goes oh that's a good point yeah Mm -hmm. oh it's not a season finale or the second episode of the season finale if there's no slow-mo you know like remember in (laughs) becoming Oh, yeah. Uh, There's always slow-mo. So Willow is finishing up this chant, and she's like, we implore thee, admit us, bring us to the vessel, take us now. This spell is taking too long. Speed it up now. It's definitely not five minutes, Giles. Also, the the way the camera's like circling them, it starts like spinning, and I'm like, I'm going to get sick. (laughs) Motion sickness. Um, There's a firework sound. It's like, (laughs) and Buffy looks up. And just as Adam blows up the machine in front of her and through the smokes, Buffy stands and her eyes are glowing yellow. And Adam says, you cannot last much longer. And Buffy speaks. But hear this. It's not just Buffy's voice. It's Buffy, Giles, Xander and Willow's voice all combined into one. And she's saying, we can. We are forever. And She's speaking Sumerian and she's doing a spell in Sumerian and Adam's like, interesting. And he fires at her with the gun. Uh, but there's some sort of invisible invisible shield in front of her. And he says, very interesting. So obviously, all th- four of them are now joined together in Buffy's body from the spell. And it's 
fucking awesome. I love it. Um, I actually really like this for the end of season four anyway, because again, we're talking about the core four all season, growing apart, experiencing things without each other, as you do when you go to university or when you leave high school. Um, But here they are coming together stronger than ever, it would appear. And it's lovely to see. Yeah. So demons are trying to break into the room where the Scoobies are, but no one's minding them. Forrest and Riley are still fighting. And Forrest says, what are you making me do this for? And then Riley starts beating him up with an oxygen tank. And Forrest grabs the tank and Riley runs away from him and dies behind something because it says flammable on there. And Forrest is lifting it over his head and it gets catches on fire or there's an electrical cord up there or something. And he blows up. Yeah, so when um, Forrest is attacking Riley and Riley dies behind the tank to initially hide from Forrest, uh, the tank gets punctured and you can hear the gas whizzing out of it. Um, And so when Forrest holds it up, there's sparks. Remember, Buffy pulled on that electrical cable previously? Mm. So the sparks are what ignite the gas. And then, yeah, bye-bye, Forrest. Bye, Forrest. Um, You had a nice little run as a villain there, so... Okay. Adam tries firing a rocket at Buffy, who turns it into doves. <laughs> and then she waves her hand. Really slick. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. I don't know what happened to the doves after that. Did they just <laughs> disappear? Ooh, I don't. Yeah, let's not, let's not ask questions we don't want the answer to. The initiative killed them. <laughs> no. Um, so she waves her hand and Adam's gun goes back inside him. Wow. They fight a bit and Buffy's way stronger and faster than him now. And Adam's like, how can you? And the Scoobies all say together, you uh, you, co- oh, you cannot hope to grasp the source of our power. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, I don't know. And she pushes Adam against a wall, shoves her hand inside him, whoa, and grabs his uranium power source and says, but yours is right here. And Adam falls to the ground, defeated, just like that. What What is it about, I know, like, it is literally quite visceral. What is it about somebody punching their hand into somebody's chest that is, like, this sign of, like, you know, the ultimate, like, win? It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, Buffy has one punch man right now. It's awesome. And I love, like, when she pulls it out, there's, like, debris from inside his body on her. Um, yeah. So so she she did that. And it's great. Riley comes in and is like, Buffy. But Buffy's eyes are red now. And then she floats the power source above her. And then it just disappears in a ball of white light. And uh buffy kind of falls forward just as the, as the scoobies do the same thing they all look really dazed a demon breaks in into the scooby room but spike is behind it snaps at ne- its neck and kills it and spike says nasty sort of fellow lucky for you blighters that i was here eh and giles is like yeah thank you although your heroism is slightly muted by the fact that you were helping adam to start a war that would kill us all and Xander says, you probably just saved us so it wouldn't stake you right here. And Spike's like, well, yeah, did it work? <laughs> <laughs> and the Scoobies just look too tired. They're, like, too, just, they're just fucking tired and they don't want to talk to him anymore. So they start getting up and Spike says, well, then everything's all right. And we all get to get not staked through the heart. So good work, team. Uh, Buffy and Riley come in and Riley's like, we still got men out there. And Spike says, well, let's go save them by gum. <laughs> Um, and everyone ignores them again and Buffy tells Willow to get to the exits and then uh, get them open and she's like Riley organize the soldiers she'll take point 
and they ask if Buffy's up for this, and she pushes a demon in the hallway out of the way and says, I am. Hell yeah. So good. So before we get to the very end of this episode, Adam's death is so anticlimactic. Don't you think, like, I don't know. Sure. Yeah, I agree with you, because I think in the past, you know, I didn't like this episode as much as I'm, I liked it this time around, and the past couple of times I watched it. When I was younger, and I was watching this TV series the first few times through, I agree with you. I always thought Primeval was a weaker villain, con- big bad fight, boss fight, than some of the other ones, for exactly that reason. It does feel anticlimactic. It feels a little bit like cheating that they just use this power-up spell, and suddenly Buffy can punch into his chest and stuff. But if I can defend it for a moment, now that I've, I've watched it more and thought about it and we've talked about this season, I think that, yes, this is a messy season. I think we've agreed Adam's not a, a very compelling big bad. He's not anywhere near my favorite of the series. But that's why I think this ending makes sense for him. He isn't as powerful as he thinks he is. Uh, he's physically intimidating. You know, the only reason he was able to get as far in his scheme, however, is because of the initiative's incompetence at every turn. If they had ever listened to Buffy, if they had listened to Riley, like, you know you're doing something wrong when listening to Riley would <laughs> solve your problems. Yeah. But they didn't, right? They've ignored everybody who could possibly help them. They let Maggie Walsh die on their watch. They let Adam run rampant over them. He's like two months old at this point, right? He's a baby and he's already, you know, fighting the initiative. So I think that's what we have to remember, right? Is Adam is not an intimidating villain because he can't be. So for him to be killed this way, I think the whole point is that this is not about Adam as the big bad. This is about the Scoobies overcoming those differences that we've been talking about and the distance that has been created both throughout the season and then by Spike. They have to overcome that and emerge stronger than ever, basically. Adam is just a means to that end. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with you there. I just feel like like as much as it is a bit disappointing and anticlimactic for, for Adam... Um, you're right. Like, it really is more about the Scoobies powering up together, right? After a whole year of drifting apart, they come together and they do this badass spell and they take down the bad guy. No problem with it, right? Just to show that, you know, together we are stronger. I think my my thing with Adam, and we can definitely talk more about this in one of our wrap-up episodes, but um, it's, it's just that his, the threat is never really there for me. Like, I never suspected that Adam was actually going to take out Buffy or any of the Scoobies. Well, and the whole plan, right? He was so cagey about it. You and I were like, what's his plan? What's his plan? The mayor and the master, like everybody else was just like, yep, this is my plan. Angel's like second episode that evil angels around. He's like, this is my plan. (laughs) And Adam's like, oh, I'll tell you my plan eventually. Yeah, but but also think about it. All of those other villains went through with their plan in the last episode. Right? Like the master escaped his prison. Angelus actually opened up the portal to hell through Akathla, and the mayor ascended. So that was the threat, is that they actually did, they went through the threat, and it was about how Buffy was over able to um, defeat them despite the threat already happening. 
because the, the danger is there. With Adam, the threat, I guess, is that inside this very contained area, there would be a war full of initiative men that we don't care about and demons that we don't care about. Um, so the, the threat and the stakes are just not high. They're not there the way they have been for the other seasons. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. That being said, I like what you just said, that maybe it's not about Adam at all. Maybe it's, it's just not about that. It's about it's about this whole Buffy magic versus initiative technology for one. But on the other hand, it's about the Scoobies coming together and realizing that together they are stronger and refining their groove with each other. So th- that's fine, too. You know, I'm just I'm just yeah, I'm left a little bit wanting, but at the same time, really happy that they perform the spell together. So let's finish off. We're, cu- we're cutting to, I guess, the Washington or, or Pentagon or whatever. Uh, they're in a meeting room and they're saying that that this was an experiment. And this scene is at the, happening at the same time as we watch the Scoobies escape, you know, the, the madness of this massacre. Graham's with them, thank God. <laughs> the I Colonel really dies. About Graham, right? Because he got yeah. injured a few episodes ago. And I'm like, what's going on with Graham? But... Clearly, you know, he's okay, and that's all we care about. We never found out how he got injured. Like, he got thrown, I think, and that was it. So he's fine. Um, and he and he gets collected here. The colonel ends up dying. So while this is all happening, the, the, the Washington people are saying, the initiative represented the government's interest in not only controlling the otherworldly menace, but in harnessing its power for its, our own military purposes. Ah, duh. The considered opinion of this council is that the experiment has failed. <laughs> really? You don't say. Uh, once the prototype took control of the complex, our soldiers suffered a 40% casualty rate. Ooh, so remember what you said earlier? Like if someone was sick today or <laughs> late and they're like 40% of my colleagues died. <laughs> terrible. Um, so it, it seems that it was only through the actions of the deserter and a group of civilians, civilian insurrectionists that our losses were not total. I trust the irony of that is not lost on any of us. Maggie Walsh's vision was brilliant, but ultimately insupportable. Insupp- Demons cannot be harnessed, cannot be controlled. It is therefore our recommendation that this, that this project be terminated and all records concerning it expunged. Our soldiers will be debriefed standard confidentiality clause, and we will monitor the civilians, any usual measures prepared should they try to go public. And I don't think they will. And the initiative itself will be filled with concrete, burn it down, gentlemen, and salt the earth. And that's when we see the TV screens are looking at. It goes black, but not before we see dead demons and soldiers everywhere in the initiative. Cut to black. So... This is this is what it is, right? This is the writer's heavy-handed way of drawing a line under the initiative and saying they're not coming back. And and I don't know if at this point they were they knew that this season had kind of not lived up to expectations and really just wanted to be done with it or if this was the plan all along, right? But this is just a very like info dumpy scene of, and this is why, you know, the initiative isn't around at the beginning of season five. Yep, definitely. Um, yeah. So, so that's it. Are we sad? The initiative's gone. No, no. fill it up. Gentlemen, they were never actually a risk. Like we just said, right. I was never worried and th- during this whole battle. I was never worried that something would happen to the Scoobies. I barely worried for Graham. 
<laughs> like, you know, like that, that that no one in there died. Forty percent of people died, obviously, but no one we cared about. Were you worried for Riley? I didn't have to worry for Riley. He performed open heart surgery on himself. <laughs> <laughs> nothing's taking that no, guy out to, to be fair that was much closer to laparoscopic surgery than anything <laughs> what the fuck you know what i don't know who your hero is Kara. i choose riley for <gasps> for conducting wow. wow that kind of surgery on himself and not paralyzing himself from the waist I think, down i think I would be disingenuous if I didn't choose the hero that the show wants me to choose for this episode, which is the Scoopies, right? Yeah, yeah, Buffy, yeah. Xander, Giles, and Willow. They are, th that. that is literally their function in this episode, and I'm willing to give it to them, because that's just, oh, I'm so happy that I got to rewatch this episode with you, because like I said, I've always enjoyed the episode. I've maybe looked down on it a bit in the past as anticlimactic, like you've described, but I just every time I watch it, I respect this episode a little bit more for its craft and its entertainment value. So I'm quite happy here. All right, we got hot steaks. We do. They are hot. Uh, some of them are a little and cold. Steaky. Yeah, some of them are actually quite cold in that they're old. <laughs> Let's start with a recent hot steak in that it's about New Moon Rising and Oz. This is from Tamsin. And she says, while listening to your commentary, it struck me that werewolfism has parallels with mental health issues. Oz's line, the werewolf is inside me all the time, or sorry, the wolf is inside me all the time, has really helped me to come to a place of acceptance that my mental health conditions are a part of me and always will be. In New Moon Rising, this metaphor started to really become clear to me when Oz was describing his cure, and that's in quotes. I'm sure many mental health sufferers uh, will relate when I say that I've been advised countless times to meditate and drink herbal tea as if that will fix me. Suggestions like this are well-meaning, but they minimize the authenticity of mental health conditions, in my opinion, as they may be somewhat helpful but are by no means a cure. Oz's experience in this episode really reminds me of times when I have found some new gimmick that has helped my mental health in the short term, only to find that it devastatingly comes flooding back in a time of crisis. I don't think we see Oz again after this episode, but I like to think that he found a community of werewolves, allies who understand and relate to him. He's lived amongst this community ever since, mutually supporting each other through their shared journeys. He has a girl werewolf who's much better suited to him than Veruca. And I can only hope for a similar outcome for myself. Um, I'm sure there's some good fanfic out there. And then I got to plug Kendara Blake's In Every Generation, the, the novel that came out last year about uh, like, like set 15 years after the end of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I won't give anything away, but let's just say Oz is in that book. And I think Tamsin, you'd be satisfied with where he's at in his life at this point. I agree. Thanks so much for sharing, Tamsin. Um, so when we say we have cold hot steaks, it's because these ones were sent in a while ago and about old episodes. So the first one is from Becca, who says, hi, Prophecy Girls. Hi, Becca. 
I know you guys are way past the relevancy of this hot steak, <laughs> but I've been binging your podcast and I wanted to give you guys my perspective on something I noticed in season two. It really bugs me how Drusilla, a character who has suffered a great deal, is mostly used to push forward Angel's story and suffering. She acts as a walking embodiment of Angel's wrongdoings, which I think is a lot of, in a lot of ways takes away from the fact that she was the one who ultimately suffers from his actions. We get little to no insight on how she feels or felt about the pain she went through. Moreover, we are told that she was good and pure before her transformation, but all we get is the one cut scene when she's in the confession room. I'm 100% an Angel Bangel fan, but this theme of women suffering being used to propel men's character development is something that irked me. Yeah, um, it's a common theme with Joss Whedon. I mean, have you watched the last season of Angel? I won't spoil it, but Fred? Fred? Well, Cordelia before that? <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, we yep. feel you on this, Becca. It's been a while since we've talked about season two, but um, absolutely. Blood pressure rising. Anger <laughs> rising. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can we have another Joss Whedon on trial episode? Yeah, we maybe we need to go like specifically for Buffy, Joss Whedon on trial. Um, but no, no, we're we're with you on that for sure. Um, we needed more Drusilla. We would like to see more storylines with her, but... You know, as it was, she was brought in to develop Angel's story and create a little tension between Buffy and Angel in that season. Uh, So thank you. And then we have another one from Brady um, that came in about faith and consequences. And Brady says... Okay, so I wanted to bring up something after listening to Consequences. I think it's an absolute lie, whether he knows it or not, when Giles says the council would just lock Faith up after what she has done. Think about it. In normal circumstances, when one Slayer is activated, if a Slayer goes rogue and disobeys the council that much, they aren't just going to lock her up so she up um so she's useless the council is 100 going to kill that slayer so the next one can be activated and then they can manipulate a new young girl we even see it later when the council comes after faith on angel they were definitely just going to unalive her i just think it's another example of the council and the patriarchy exerting their control over the poor girl who never had had a say in what happened to her and it's really sad yeah absolutely and you know that's why we we tried in last week's episode to look at the situation from Faith's perspective, to be sympathetic to her. We were quite harsh towards Buffy in that episode because that's how the show was presenting it, right? And we wanted to think about, you know, what is Faith going through here? Obviously, Faith has done terrible things. We talked about that throughout the past, you know, episodes. We talked about it in Who Are You? And then how Buffy and Riley didn't really deal with the consequences after that. But we also just wanted to look at it from Faith's perspective, because as much as Faith is a villain in many ways, she is also a victim. She is both things. And it's important for us to look at all those different sides to really see the nuance here of, you know, we, we're we not excusing anything that Faith did, but we also want to see, like, where is the sympathy in this character? Because she is a human, she has suffered, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, and also with the council being, you know, the patriarchy and the way that they control the power that these young girls are given, and then they and therefore control the young girls, right? And like they're they basically are their lives. Of that power. Yeah, and we talked about that in um, our coverage of Five by Five and Sanctuary because when the Watchers, when the Watchers Council comes after Faith, they tell Buffy in. Uh, who are you? And then later they're telling Wesley how like what this girl does with her power is 
it gets offensive to them the fact that they can't control her with it so for sure what you're saying is like i think very likely in consequences had they actually brought her back to england they probably would have killed her there too all right um so finally we have a new buy me a coffee supporter to thank a new chosen one holly welcome aboard so holly uh Became a fan of Buffy quite early on, saying, I've been in the fandom since the beginning. Wow. An OG Buffy fan. I almost didn't watch it, she says, because I hated the movie at the time. But I took a leap of faith and I was hooked from day one. I was 19 when the show premiered. High school was still fresh for me, so I could relate to the experience. I grew up with them. Holly's favorite characters are Anya and Willow. Uh, her favorite episode would be Band Candy and also Once More with Feeling. Yeah, who doesn't love a popular episode like that? Welcome aboard, Holly. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. And thanks to the rest of our Buy Me a Coffee Chosen One supporters. Lizzie. Emma. Hannah. Taza. Holly. Kyle. Kayla. Destiny. Brady. Erica. Jordan. Allison. Lena. Jace. Julian. Haley. Nicola. And Tasha. Also, for all you early listeners of the podcast uh, who, who listen to it, you know, the second it drops on Thursday morning, uh, tune in tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Cara and I will be recording live our season four uh, wrap up episode on Instagram. So Instagram, Prophecy Girls podcast. Join us live 8 p.m. Tonight, if you're listening on Thursday, October 6th, right now. <laughs> Tonight. Come listen. Come follow, come find us. <laughs> uh. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Praise Moloch! See you next week!